Episode 98 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm once again with. And we are completing, well, the third one of our director focuses tonight. Um, next week we'll return and we'll be talking all about Infinity War, but for right now we're going to talk about some directors. Um, Stuart, you're still on the Man Island, I take it, yes? Yes, yes, still on the Man Isle. Um, it's, although being an absolutely scorching and beautiful isle over the past uh, Easter weekend, so um, it's been rather akin to the Costa del Manx, as we shall now be known. Lovely. Um, are, are you drinking anything tonight? Do you know what? Since uh, you know holiday mode and all that, I'm actually. I mean, it's, it's slightly off brand, I'm afraid, and a bit middle class and wanky. I'm having a glass of red. Oh, um, that is tonight. nice. You, you, you will not fit in up here, so... Yeah, 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 oh, yeah definitely, because if, yeah, if, if, you if you do that in this bar in Glasgow, you'll get your ass kicked, you know. They use the, they put the wine behind the bar as like sort of a way to root out you know, people who don't like, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this week we're going to talk about an old director. Last week, well, last two weeks we talked about uh, Oliver Stone and Ron Howard, and this week we are going to talk about Tim Burton. Um... So, like, yeah, Tim Burton was born August 25th, 1958 in Burbank, California. So I'd never thought of him as a, a Los Angelino, if you know what I mean. Didn't really think of him as a, a Hollywood guy. Yeah, yeah not at all. And it, it doesn't resonate in his films, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. I, so I, I was imagining him sort of growing up in, like, Idaho or Iowa or something like that. Or, you know, some, some kind of out-of-the-way state where he's sort of been the, the weirdo kid. I mean, he's probably still the weirdo kid even in California. But, yeah, I never really pictured him as a... As a, as a California kid, you know, you think him and Ron Howard are born not dissimilar years, you know, and both grew up in Hollywood, but one's very Hollywood, other one's much less so. Yeah, that, that's, that's genuinely quite surprising. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know this either. He does, he does come from interesting stock. I'll, 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 I'll dive on this. His mum owned a cat themed gift shop. <laughs> okay. Which, <laughs> which again kind of makes sense when you think about Tim Burton. Um, and his dad was a minor league baseball player. No yeah. So, I, see when you think, see you think about your films like the sort of the, the, the traveling and all the sort of like the, the, the taking the show on the road and all that kind of stuff. I can understand the baseball thing with that now. You know that you guys used to travel from town to town and just sort of wander through and things like that. So, there's a few films that have that kind of sort of oddball mentality to them. So, I can totally understand where he kind of where that kind of comes from. Um, but as a kid, he made a lot of stop motion pictures. As you can imagine, he was quite an introverted guy from all accounts. He was sort of in his own little world. Um, Disney gave him an apprenticeship, and he was involved in films like Tron, uh, Black Cauldron, uh, and also Fox and the Hound. That was his sort of his big one. Everyone knows he done Fox and the Hound. Um, he made a couple of live-action animated shorts for Disney, um, and then basically got let go in 1984 from them. Because one of the ones he did was a little bit darker and a bit basically basically very dark and very gothic and that's obviously not the Disney brand, so they decided to, to let him go as a as a, as a, someone on on file. So that's when he started to, to go out on his own. So somewhat ironic. Yeah. Um so the first one he did, the first film he got was his, his debut feature was nineteen eighty five, which was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Have you seen this film? I have seen this film. What do you think of Pee Wee's um, Big Adventure? I find Pee Wee really 
total keto. Yeah, so I, I don't. Can't really get, I can't really get past it. I don't get it. I yeah. Don't get it at all, really. No, I am much the same. And even though they, they, they done a recent one, like PD Pee Wee's Big Holiday, it's like sort of him coming back recently with Paul Rubens. Um, and yeah. I just I don't get the the Pee Wee Big Adventure, the whole Pee Wee character. I think them like much like yourself, very creepy, very odd, and generally not that funny. No, it seems like one of those things that just doesn't translate to Britain at all. No. It's seen as a, a bit of a classic, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, people seem, I mean, people in America seem to love this film, but it's just that idiot man-child is such a fine line to, to go, because if you don't do it right, to me it comes across like he's doing it for purposes like sort of very untoward, like he's trying to entice children in, which I don't think that's the point of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but that's the vibe I get from that character. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree, and I've always been weirded out by it. I, I remember watching the... It was a TV show as well beforehand, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember seeing Pee-wee in some form, very young, and yeah. I remember thinking, this, this isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> My brain wasn't fully formed to digest the, the oddity of it, but it just felt unsettling. But the thing is, as you say, that getting that man-child balance is really difficult because you have to have a certain amount of innocence yep. and, and marry that with a bit of heart yeah. as well and he doesn't have that it just seems you know it's a bit you know child catcher-esque yeah that, that, that <laughs> totally it feels more like child catcher to me like whereas a character like for example like Mr Bean who's clearly an, a man child that has a lot more sweetness to it and I feel that comes across a lot more innocently you don't think he's ever untoward yeah. with what he does you know if he does something bad it's because he's just naive yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's Yeah. It's just slapstick and silly. Oh. Whereas Pee Wee, there's a real dark edge to it. But loads of people love it. Yeah, I mean, that film. it was you. It was you. I mean, he was hired specifically by Paul Rubens to do the film, so it was it was Paul Rubens' vehicle. He, he was basically brought on as director to hire. Um, but the film only cost eight million to make, and it made well over forty million in the box office. So, from for nineteen eighty five numbers, that's fantastic. And obviously, that's basically if you can do that early on, that's what's going to establish you in Hollywood. Um, and from yeah. and, and from that he moved on to his next movie, which is nineteen eighty eight, and that is Beetlejuice. Yeah, so I love Beetlejuice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Beetlejuice as well, and I think that's where he probably gets the st- starts getting the stamp as like the, the sort of like the weird and the gothic and the the sort of madness that came from. Him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's very much um, we we these things with Tim Burton, and obviously we'll delve as we go, but he's not much of a writer. But no. So it's all about the visual world, isn't it? Which yeah, I, and this is where it's the Absolutely, I think that's a big part of of him. He's, he's like, I mean, there's not a lot. There's other. I mean, Spielberg's not a great. He's not much of a writer these days sure. either. Um, neither's Ron Howard to that extent. Neither's even even some of the great directors aren't like so much like that. You know, they, you know, Ridley Scott doesn't write very much of his own stuff. Neither does um, does no no one does write his own stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no one he does. But, um, yeah. but there's, there's other guys who don't write and are still regarded as great filmmakers. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a separate art. A separate it? art, yeah. But it's the visual style that makes him makes it interesting. You know, he he, he brings uh-huh. up he brings a flair to it that that, that define it. You know, you probably wouldn't you probably would be hard pressed to find many lines in Beetlejuice. You remember there is a, obviously there's a few that stand out, but most of the dialogue and most of the story is pretty. It's 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 solid. It's okay. It moves along. It's the visual style of these movies that actually make them memorable, I think. And it's the the marriage of the that that madcap visual um, corridor that he's opened and allow you to see 
mixed with what tends to happen, and certainly in his early films, was excellent scores. Yeah, but Beetlejuice really, uh, it's, it's a score that really works, and that kind of heating is just having a blast. It's it's itch and dark and funny and awful. It's just a, just a completely mental film yeah. for late Yeah. Wait, even like that film does not get made now because it's, it's it's too much of it. It's it's not a it's not a easily markable film, you know. Um, no. Think about it is like it's it's a guy who was Mister Mom, you know, basically a guy who was on you know comedies essentially. We discussed he done a lot of Ron Howard comedies early on, doing yes. this madcap character who really isn't a hero. He's more of a villain, and he's sort of he's he's a dick for most of it. But you're, he's oh, yeah. Yeah. he's maybe the hero of the film. Um, it's. I think it's a PG twelve, but I think it probably could go darker. I think it probably might even be a fifteen, from what I've, if I can recall it offhand. So, it's not. Probably. It's not a film you can market to an audience now, but it's it's the film. Kind of the film you think. I think when I think of a Tim Burton film, it's Beetlejuice. I think of as being the sort of the, the film that he that, that defines his career to an extent. It's a film that makes you think Tim Burton to me more than anything else. Yeah, it's definitely it's one of his most quintessential films. Um, and I, I remember watching it really young, and I, I, I was a bit freaked out by it, but also loved the madness of it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I've seen Alec Baldwin as well, which concerns, which is potentially the most unsettling thing um, in the film. Thin Alec Baldwin just I, I can't abide it. The <laughs> great actor, and it just concerns me. You want you want some you, you want some chunky Baldwin basically. I want chunky Baldwin. Yeah, He's still got the voice. He's, uh, he's just—he's so beautiful when he was there. He, I think, yeah, I think it's a bit like when you look at um, is it Nick Nolte as well. You know, Nick Nolte when he was younger was a good-looking man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now look at him, he's just a grizzled, just uh, barely—you know—you make out a word Nolte says. Yeah, every film, just, he's just a rough. <laughs> rah, 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 rah. But early on in his career, fantastic looking. Man. Same with you know Brando as well. You know, Brando, stunning-looking man, yeah, and then yeah. just all went to hell. Um, but yeah, so people just, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of it as well. I think it's a, it's a brilliant film. It, it holds up exceptionally well as now as well. Um, and like I said, it, to me, it is very much a quintessential Tim Burton film. That's the film that people still think of when they think of Tim Burton ideas. Yeah. Um, on from that same year, uh, no, sorry, next year, the year after 1989, um, he did Batman, his take on Batman, which obviously, if we were, I was too young to remember it. You were probably too young as well to remember it, I think. You were probably five or six when this came out. Um, yeah. But from everything I've heard and I've read, this was this was Infinity War level madness. You know, yeah, people want to see it, so. but yeah. with absolutely no build up for it. You know, there's no like there's no ten year twenty one movie prior to it. It was literally yeah. people literally people remembering it from the nineteen sixty six show. You know, with Adam West, they saw the first trailer with you know this dark, insane take on Batman, and it just it was it was massive. It was absolutely huge. Um, it, I've, I've got issues with the film. Like there is problems with the film, but I, I think it's a fucking great Batman. I, I love it as a Batman movie. I, I, I completely agree, dude. It's, it's um, visually, it's just. I know we're going to bang on about the visuals, but when it's when it's good, when he's, good he's 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 unstoppable. Yeah. He's creative. He's just transported Gotham onto the screen there, hasn't he? So particularly uber fan yourself, fans of the, the comic books, he has created this this gothic. Um, dark landscape that just feels like a transported straight into Gotham, and it, 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 it when, when we appraise it against Nolan's grittier uh, incarnation, um, there's it, it's it's got the darkness, but it's not got insane levels of 
machismo brooding. So yeah. it's still fun. It's still fun. Um, and that's why I really, I really love uh, Batman. I think it's excellent. And Nicholson is great. Keaton is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's unfair to compare it to Nolan one because the Nolan one is going for a realism to try and base it in the real world. You know, whereas for what you say, Tim Burton's mate, he's making a comic book movie. You know, it's it's the same take. You know, when you have like you can have Alan Moore write Batman, and you have Scott Snyder write Batman, and you can have Frank Miller write Batman. They're all just writing their take on this same character, and every world they create is slightly different, and it has their own sort of stamp on it. The Nolan world sure. is what it is, but the the it doesn't in any way invalidate the the Tim Burton version. No, 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 absolutely not. And um, the same token, Tim Burton's version in no way invalidates the. Adam West, Batman. That's that's a take on Batman. Yeah. Is, it, is anything else? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point, dude. Where I mean, in terms of box office success, this was gargantuan, wasn't it? Oh, this is massive. This 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 made his career. This is what essentially kept opening doors for. I mean, his it, it, hit rate is pretty solid. He's not he's not done um, like he's not done many bad ones. He's not had many failures, but. If he ever slightly dips or anything, he still has that trump card pull of, or oh, remember when I done Batman? You know, remember yeah. remember the Batman I did that was that. And the fact it's still mentioned now and people are still comparing it to the Nolan Batman, it's not sunk, it's not slipped away in any way. You know, it's still very much in the, the zeitgeist of, you know, the, you, have the, uh-huh. you have the Burton Batman, you know, you have the Schumacher Batman, you have the Nolan Batman. It's still very much in, you know, it's still, he's, he's still synonymous with that, with that movie and that, that, and that character. Um, he's pretty, he's, he, he keeps going because in 1990 this is like three films in three years uh, 1990 is Edward Scissorhands wow so in the space of two and a bit years he's done those three potentially classic films yes and this is his first film he starts out his relationship with Johnny Depp which obviously is something that will come back again and again and again so what do you think of Edward Scissorhands I love it seriously I yeah. love Edward Scissorhands yeah I, I, uh, but I have a kind of I wonder if I'd still love it now. I haven't watched it in about a decade. Right. But I, I watched it. It's another one of them that I watched really young. And it, um, I think I, you know, one of them you catch on telly. Um, and uh, when you're, you're a bit too young, we've talked about this before in other pods, you know, child of the 80s. Um, this is obviously uh, creeping into the following decade. But watched it um, maybe halfway through and just remember being thinking this is just utterly strange and beguiling. Uh, and, and really enjoying it, um, and I watched, I reappraised a couple of times. I've, I've seen it three or four times, and I always really enjoy it. I wonder if I still would now. I say it's been a, it's been a good decade, but I, I remember thinking it's a, uh, it's you can you can poke holes at it because it, it's the beginning of the the very divisive Burton death loving, and yep. the beginning of um, again using the word but that gothic. Um, macabre, twisted, uh, kind of noir fantasy almost that they concocted between them. But mm. I think this is before it becomes pastiche. Yeah, I, I not disagree, yeah. He's, he's, he's still forging a trail at this point to some degree. He, he's not slipped into the parody yeah, because this, no. this is only four films, so it's very difficult to slip into parody or after four films. Um, as his career does develop, he does start hitting a lot of Tim Burton tropes to a degree. Yes. Um, but this is yeah. where he, this is where he sets the tropes up. You know, this is you know this is this is where he starts having that, and p- 
people start identifying a film as a Tim Burton movie. You know, it's very much that. I'm less of a fan of this film. I'm, I'm not a huge lover of it. Um, okay. I remember it being longer than it had to be. Um, and I just... Interesting. I, I didn't... I honestly didn't buy the romance between Winona Ryder and Johnny Depp. Um, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't really get it. And, and ultimately... And I, there is a, yeah, there is a coldness to that. It's, yeah, there, it, it's hard to feel that much... Warm, but I don't know if he translated that particularly well. Yeah, and that's maybe like that's come down to the, the writing idea. You know, maybe I don't know. If, I, don't, I mean, I assume he has some input into the script, obviously, and into the story. Um, but he seemed like a guy. He seemed like he had the idea of Edward Scissorhands, this, this sort of really like, this weird and interesting and odd-looking character. That the story became a secondary thing to the, to the visual of the character. And that's a running theme when he's when he's at his worst, Burton. It's the idea. It, it, it takes over the, the quality or caliber of the writing. And it's similar when you look at other visionaries. Um, somebody you've, you've mentioned earlier, like Zack Schneider, it's another one of them. If he hasn't got a good um, script writer on hand, then the visuals aren't going to give you enough to counterbalance that, yeah. I suppose. It, it, the visual can only last you for so long. You know, you yes. know The, the Combrals have great visual, but they have a story to back it up. You know, you, you have to have something behind just, you know, just a visual element. Um as a film, I think I think it's an okay film. I, I don't really get the love for it um, that people have. And I, it left me kind of very cold. And saying that, I haven't watched it, and it must be at least ten years. Um, so I don't know yeah. if, if revisiting it now might give me a different slant on it. But I know it is yeah, one of those. It is one of those beloved cult classic. People do adore this film in the same way they adore, you know, Beetlejuice and Batman. It's definitely up there with one of the films yeah. that people. It's still still revered by by a certain section of cinema. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so after that, again, he took a two-year gap. So at this point, he starts doing a film every two years, give or take. He starts to sort of slow down a little bit um, and in many ways go bigger. Um, so 1992 was Batman Returns. Yeah, what do you make of Batman Returns? I genuinely love Batman Returns for a couple yeah. of reasons. Yeah. I love Michelle Pfeiffer, and I think it's Michelle Pfeiffer's film all the way through. She is fantastic oh, yeah. in it. Um, yeah. I love Keaton's Batman in this one as well. I think it's a cracking Batman again. He... he he has a good Batman. He got shit for it, but I think he's a good Batman, and he's a, he's a interesting um, Bruce Wayne as well. So I, I like him in the film. This film is like it, it's it's ramped up to to ten with the, the visual style of it to the point where the film that came after it was Batman Forever, which again I have a real love for. But you can see when the the hands of someone who doesn't quite get the style quite as much as Button, and he goes and doesn't feel quite and goes a bit off the rails with it. It can look just like a bit too much of a scattergun approach. Batman Returns. It's yeah. got a, it's got a, it's got a specific style and look to it that he adheres to throughout the whole film. You know, I, I, to- I totally agree with you. I think um, Spider steals the show. It's obviously the budget is a lot bigger now yeah. um, after the success of the first one, but it doesn't. I don't think it's a bloated film. Um, I think it could have been a lot. Obviously, they're throwing a lot more at it. Yeah, Devito. I, I really enjoyed Devito in it as well. Um, Walkins in it as well, isn't he? Chris Walkins yeah. in it. Um, yeah, it's, I, I just I think it's, it's fun as well. Pfeiffer should have got an, another bite of the cherry. I think she was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think there was talk yeah. she would get another bite of the cherry, but then when whatever reason he didn't do Batman Forever because of budget and thing issues with that, that's why that's when not only did he pull out, Pfeiffer didn't want to do it, and all, neither did obviously Keaton didn't want to do it either. He sort of decided to, to back away. I mean, you know, in retrospect, that it's, it was staying loyal to 
the to the director, weren't they? Yeah, so they, they, they didn't work with they very, um, again for a long time, did they? Yeah, they very much adhered to to their visual style. That he they believed in his vision for that character. I mean, he he left. They didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to join in on it. Um, I, it's. It's not only, it's, not like, it's, it's a great sequel, which is obviously, we've always talked before, it's so hard to do. The, the, the sequelising something that people loved is so difficult. And you can count on one hand the sequels you actually would watch independent of the original. You know, probably this one, Dark Knight, is a great sequel as well. You'd watch that as a like a film on its own, as a standalone movie. And the list kind of dies off at that point. There isn't, there isn't actually that many. No, there probably yeah. isn't. No. Um, How did it take, um, I obviously smashed it at the box office. How did it do critically? Did it because obviously the first one's pretty revered. Yeah. Was it a bit more boosted? The response. I think happened? people found it a little bit bloated from what I remember. From what I can remember reading, you know, because it's got the three, the three baddies in it, which is something that obviously other films are trying to recreate things like, um, the Dark Knight Rises, you know, trying to up the baddie stakes, and uh, so did Spider Man. You know, it's something. It, 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 Spider Man Three. Spider Man yeah. Three. Yeah, you had the, the three baddies in it as well. So it means that that was something that bloated that film but it did it pulled it off better than this film than any other film yeah so it, it, but it done budget wise it done well and it done well with the critics as well so it was actually it was it was a success like both critically I and so. and um, I box watched them recently and thought they were both still excellent I've not watched Batman recently actually but I did watch <laughs> Batman Returns um, maybe a month or so ago and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it I thought it was excellent and it holds up really well yeah yeah um, on to this one is the next one probably his most critically acclaimed film um, 1994, Edward. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love Edward. This yeah. this is a brave film to make. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a it's a fucking weird film. Um, <laughs> I didn't know anything about um, the eponymous character until I watched this film. Um, it's funny and sad and uh, really unique, probably in Burton's filmography. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to remember most of the films, but yeah. it, there's a real heart to it as well. Yeah, it, it, it does get me like a little bit later on a couple of films, but no, it's definitely the most heartfelt film that he did, and it really comes from a place yeah. of love. You, you see, he, I think in Burton's mind, he could easily have been Edward. Yes. You know, that's that's the kind of character he has a kinship with, you know, this guy who's sort of, again, the outside of Hollywood, you know, trying to be different and trying to just, you know, trying to just push his ideas forward, but ultimately he knew he was... If, if Batman hadn't hit or Beetlejuice hadn't hit, he could easily be making these sort of shocky B-movies somewhere in Hollywood. Yeah, that's so true, you know. He almost looked out with Batman, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Batman, gave him, yeah, yeah. Batman gave him that calling card and that, that trump card to throw down. Um, he could eat, Button could easily be you know, making straight-to-DVD kind of gothic horror movies, essentially, if, if it gone yeah, differently. Yeah, B-movies. Yeah, totally. total yeah. B-movies. Um, I think it's his only film to get an Oscar. Nomination. Well, won an Oscar. Did um, Martin Landau won it for um, supporting actor, didn't he? Um, I'll Yeah, he won it for he won it for that. I think it's the only film he's had that's been Oscar winning. Well, I, I can't really think of any other ones. Like maybe makeup and stuff. Yeah, maybe makeup, maybe maybe visual effects somewhere. But yeah, it's an actual sort of one of the big sort of the big big awards. Yeah. You know, you know, directing, acting, writing. I don't think it's I don't think it's the only film that's that's been actually been even in in the mentioned in any of the films which is kind of weird for a guy who's been around Hollywood that long not to have that, that critical success he would suggest that, that sums up his outsider status yeah. I guess um, it didn't do very well I don't think did it compared to his other films um, no. box office wise 
I don't think so, but I think it was never intended to. You know, it's not a film you can't. You know, yeah. on the on the back of Batman Returns, releasing a film about, um, you know, a a forties or fifties movie director that no one actually remembers or knew, or knew about, is <laughs> it's going to yeah. it's going to it's going to be a struggle to sell, and probably are trying to yeah. sell it on the name of Tim Burton. But the fact it was in black and white as well, it's it's going to be a tough sell. But again, I, I'm much like you. I think it's a cracking film. It's a well done film, and it tells a a, a really important story about you know these. Outsellers in Hollywood who, who who sort of prop the industry up in, in many ways, you know, because yeah. guys, yeah, yeah, you know, big guys in Hollywood started like this, you know, James Cameron started doing shitty, schlocky B movies as well, so did Scorsese, you know, it's sort of a lost art that your first film has to be some great piece of artwork, you know, sometimes you have to start yeah. out working on shit to, you know, to get somewhere. Peter Jackson, I guess, as well. Yeah, but at least Peter Jackson was doing his own thing. It was his own writings, whereas, you know, I think James Cameron was doing, like, done, like, Piranha 3 or something like that. He'd done as a work for hire. Right. And Scorsese was doing... I think Scorsese yeah, I think he was editing porn at one point, I'm sure, or something, was he not? I'm sure that was, like, one of the things oh. he did. You know, so it's... it's yeah, that sounds right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just, you know, there is other ways in around just making, you know, the one indie that makes you massive. Um, but I like that film. Um, I really like the next one, which, which is Mars Attacks. Oh, yeah. That Mars Attacks... It could be, weirdly enough, it could be the film of Burton's I've seen most. Yeah. Um, it's just always on. It's always on. It's, uh, it's a great Friday night film as well. It's so, it's a lot of cast. It's his best cast. It's be his best cast. Definitely his most expansive cast, I'm sure. I mean, because it's one of those films, I think, you obviously shot it in the, the Hollywood backlots. Everyone came in for like 10 minutes, essentially. Um, and the only thing I can think is actually came close to it in recent years, and it sounds really dumb to say, but is. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. That that yeah, just yeah. entire just it's completely hyper realistic, you know, comic book the kind of world where like just everyone just flitting in and out for like two minute cameos and just it, it felt like that to a great degree to me, like later on. That's what yeah. maybe the vibe that Smith was going for with um with yeah. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Fully aware yeah, of what hyper realism is definitely there. That's a really good comparison. Yeah. Fully aware of knowing what it is, it knows exactly what it is and it's not trying to be anything else. And everyone is committed in this. You've got yeah. Nicholson in two roles. Yeah. Um, Brosnan's amazing. Uh, Michael J. Uh, Fox in it as well. J. K. J. Michael J. Fox is fucking amazing yeah. as well. Uh, it's, it's just a blast. It's, yeah. it's an absolute blast of a film. And again, that's a film that can only get made by a guy who has a backing of a studio of what she made Batman for. Yeah. Oh, you know? oh, completely. Completely. Uh, it did really well though, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, it really it tapped into a certain audience and people really dug it and people liked the weirdness of it. And it's not gothic in any way. You know, it's, it's, he's moving away from that with this film a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's bright, it's sunny, it's, most of it's in the daylight. You know, it, it's, definitely, yeah. it's definitely not what you'd expect from a Tim Burton movie, I think. It's, it, but it does, it shows this other side of his character of like he is a guy who loves film as much as anything else. You know, he, he, he loves movies. Independence Day. Yes. Because the two are kind of synonymous in my head. Yeah, they are. Yeah, both 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 come out in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, just feels like that was a, an excellent time for it to come out as well. Yeah. <laughs> on the back of that, it was almost like the the parallel universe version. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a deep impact Armageddon syndrome. You know, it's like the, the volcano versus Dante's Peak. It's 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 the same idea, just done totally differently. Yeah, yeah, you exactly, know. dude. Exactly. And as you know, I'm a massive fan of something like War of the Worlds, and this it was obviously definitely heavily heavily influenced by War of the Worlds and The Day the Earth Stood Still and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm a big fan of those films, yeah. so, I, so I very much dug it for that. 
Um, after yeah. that, he returns 1999 to his hot to his uh, gothic roots with Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, Sleepy Hollow. I, I think Sleepy Hollow is where Sleepy I like it as well. I think it, I think it's just it's that final film that's on the cusp of that. It's yes. he yes. just he's gone to he's because it's it's parody of himself. He's trying to be the gothic prince at this point in time, you know the you know the dark you know the the, the dark warrior type thing, and he just goes too far. He wants to you know he just it, it just it's it manages to just hold on to reality a little bit you know enough that I'm in, I'm engaged in it, but there are moments that I'm just like I'm it's sometimes just too. Bleak and not bleak, but dark and just sort of overly gothic. Yeah, you know, um, I just, I just, I didn't, I don't love it as much as the other ones. It's still a very watchable movie. Um, yeah, you know, I like Walker in it as a headless horseman. Um, I enjoy aspects of it, but I just, it just doesn't. I don't buy into it as a way. I'm saying I did buy into say Beetlejuice or Ed Wood. I think like that it just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. No, it's like he's, it's like Tim Burton does a grim. Grim Brothers yeah. adaptation. Yeah, it's bec- it's becoming a bit and, and tonally at times I, I found Sleepy Hollow a bit all over the place because yeah. there were times where Walking is fucking hilarious. Yeah, like he's, he's, he's a different film he's, he's working on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, at times it was a bit laughable. I didn't know if it was meant to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, but still decent. Still, still decent. Still absolutely solid, hundred percent solid. But um, yeah, it's, it's just it's on that cusp of just of just been a bit meh. Um, 2001, a film that divided many opinions. Um, it had a fantastic poster. Um, a poster I had on my wall for many years. It's a great poster, which is Planet of the Apes. His reimagining, rebooting, sequelization, resetting. Um, thoughts? Uh, <laughs> I did not like this film. Um, I respected the visuals again. Yeah, they were pretty incredible. They were pretty incredible, to be fair. Um, it was just <laughs> just lots of really inappropriately hilarious moments for me. Uh-huh. Um, beast, a lot of bestial shit going on. Yeah. Um, it just, it's a re. It felt. It probably wasn't even that long. I watched it in the cinema, but it felt like a slog. Yeah. Like I it felt like a long, long film. And compared to the original, which is a classic, I kind of grew up with that. My dad was a massive fan, so I loved the original. Yeah. So I kind of went in, because, I mean, what, this is what? 2000, did you say? 2001? 2001. 2001. So I was, was half my life ago, so I was about 18, 19. Yeah. I, I watched that, and I probably went in quite prejudiced as well. Uh, even though I was a Burton fan to a degree, I was a bigger fan of the original uh, Planet of the Apes, so I probably went in somewhat prejudiced, but even so, I I probably did jump on the bandwagon somewhat. I have watched it again fairly recently. I watched it four or five years ago, and it wasn't as bad as I remembered, but it was still far too long and plodding. Yeah. But, yeah, what about you? I don't disagree with what you said. I enjoyed the first half hour of it. Like the hunt through the, 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 the corn maze, the, the corn was I thought was really well done. You know, the, the, I thought I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what film Paul Giamatti's in, but I, I enjoy whatever film he's in, you know, so he, he's, he's definitely doing something. Um, um, I, I felt too many odd feelings towards Helen Bonham Carter as a monkey, which, which really upset me. 
this is a film I think Marky Mark in this role is a, is a problem because I don't think he's got the acting kudos to make this yeah. believable. You know, he, he's, out, he's out of his depth here. He is very he's much like, out of his depth. Nice. Yeah. He's, not, he's not even, you know, he's a, he's a very good actor, but he, he wasn't good enough at this stage in his career, I don't think, to carry this film. No, Marky Mark, he knows, Marky Mark knows his range, he knows what he can do, and he's sort of grown into what he can do recently. You know, the last maybe seven or eight, maybe ten years, he's grown into that kind of, he can do that comedy and also do the sort of brooding anti-hero kind of thing, but this one, he's, just, he's, he's not, he's, he's young and he's trying to be this sort of action hero and it just doesn't, doesn't go for it. Um, visually, like you said, it looks amazing. The ending is horrendous, we all know this, the ending is probably oh, yeah. one of the Jesus worst endings of, of, of film. Um, I've heard it explained multiple times on interviews and director's commentaries, I still don't understand it to any degree and I still no. don't think they knew what the fuck they were doing with the ending. They're, they're, no, they're, they're trying to be controversial because at the, the end of the original is, is probably one of the greatest cinema endings of all time they try to match they that they were hiding something weren't they yeah. because of the original yeah. yeah so they probably could have just done a not they don't have the twist ending because like we, we can't match it why why, why go up against the king when you know you're going to get beat you know so yeah. just yeah but it's a film I, I, I love the Planet Apes films like I love the I love the new ones I'm a big fan of the original five movies as well um, but I find it a slog to watch this one again. It is a bit of a slog. Yeah. Tim Roth was quite good. Tim, Tim Roth was good. Right, and like I said, it had an absolutely badass poster. It had a great poster. I will have to check out the poster. It's, a, it's an amazing looking poster. It's, it's, I, think, I think it's the best poster for the shittest film. Like, ratio. <laughs> we should do a pod on that. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great poster, but the film is below, well below average. Normally, a shit film has a shit poster. This is a great poster with a really average backup movie. Um, and that just makes it more of a crushing disappointment. Yeah, don't tease me in my poster. Because back then, you didn't have like these viral ads that happened on the internet and stuff like that. You basically had a trailer in the cinema and posters to sell a film. You know, so if you yeah. if fifty percent of what you're selling me is, I'm fucking in. I was in. I was in. I was in in a big way, and I was out very quickly. Uh, <laughs> Took a break after this because he got a, 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 a kicking for this one, I believe, you know, critically. And I think even boxers, why they got a bit of a pounding um, and pretty much killed the Apes franchise for about a good 10 years, essentially, yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah, good yeah, decade. Yeah. And so much so that even the new one came out, the the, the James Franco one, there was all people getting to go with, with the memory of the button one, you know, and I had to sort of overcome yeah. that. Um, 2003 is. I think it's his only nomination for Best Director, I think. I'm not 100% on that, but I think it may be his only nomination is Big Fish. Yeah, I am a huge fan of this film. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it is a perfect riposte to the bloated um, grandiosity of apes. It yep. is whimsical and sweet. It's, it's not gothic. It's actually... It's, it's brimming with colour and, and vitality, but it still maintains that kind of um, fantasy, childhood, um, wide-eyed wonder that yeah. Burton could be so good at. And I think it's, we'll obviously assess his films at the end of the pod, um, but off the top of my head, it's probably my favourite Tim Burton film, along with the first Batman, I think. I think it might also what be his, his, his favourite Tim Burton film, because it seems okay. like ever since then, he's been trying to recapture that. 
there's been a few he's taken a few swings at it one very recently actually where he's trying to recapture that magical thing that he managed to get with this film um, and the just Big Eyes Big Eyes is one Dumbo's one later on as well where he's just he's just not quite got it again but you can see he yeah. he, he enjoyed what he did there and he, he wants to do that again but just doesn't know how to do it I mean, it, it felt like maybe light in the bottle you had a great performance from Ewan McGregor you know, one of performance from Albert Finney as well um, you know, oh, yeah. DeVito doing a great you know it, it just felt like a real sort of coming together of a real perfect kind of storm of movies and also after the kind of the downtroddenness of Sleepy Hollow people didn't really buy into quite as much Planet of the Apes being a bit of a failure as well people were maybe were a bit down on the Tim Burton stock at this point in time and this was a great way to sort of bounce back and it was just sort of him show the world again he is a filmmaker of the highest order when he wants to be yeah totally agree it's a, it's a, it's a lovely film yeah um, after that, he's done two films in 2005. The first one is Corpse Bride, which is him going back to his stop motion days. Mm-hmm. No. Um, I've, uh, I've only seen Corpse Bride once and I was just a bit meh. Yeah. But people absolutely love it. Again, I'm just a bit meh. I, don't, I, I think it's much like the, the Nightmare Before Christmas, which he only produced. He didn't actually direct, he only, he only produced that one. I think people love the visual more than they actually love the story. Um, Frank and Weenie as well later on. Yeah, they're all much for muchness, are they? It looks much the same. Yeah, it, it looks amazing. There's some really weird oddness to it, but it never really flies for me. Um, and, and saying that though, it is the best film he did that year because the next film in 2005 was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh dear. Which? Oh dear, oh dear. It's a bad movie. That is a terrible. And we talked about Pee Wee Herman. And that He's a he is a creepy man as well. He's he's got oh, a yeah. it's it's a dark nasty film. It doesn't have to be gothic and weird. It's just the, the general idea of it is weird and messed up. You know you don't have to be Completely. you know too, too much of it. I do like in the chart. I like I like Missy Pyle playing the mother. I can't remember the mum's name in it. And you know one of the mums of the kids. Um, I really like oh, her in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't remember. I'm not upon my challenge Chocolate Factory lore. Um, but yeah, no, just, she's really good. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 It's her and my daughter wearing the matching jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, she is good. Yeah, but just overall, it's just, it's just, it's very blah. And it just, it's, it, it, it tries to put a, too much of a backstory in as well, with the whole Christopher Lee dentist thing as well, and the idea that Charlie's yeah. some sort of abused yeah. child and he's sort of suffering a childhood trauma, and that, that didn't fly for me either. I just, I, I just, I found it kind of 
again, very dull and just sort of opening up that backstory didn't need to be done there. And I get if you're going to remake it, do something different with it, try and, you know, take your own spin on it, like he did with Batman, like he has done with other films. But it just, it went, like you said, too far in one direction. I, I think this is the beginning of the end for Burton. Um, uh, in, in terms of his relevance as a filmmaker, yeah. I think this is the beginning of, where, of a, quite a spectacular um, downfall. Yeah, no, I'm not going to disagree. He has, up until probably Sleepy Hollow, it was solid. Sleepy Hollow, Planet Apes, Big Fish is always the standout in that in that world as well. Um, but yeah, I agree, because after that he followed up with Sweeney Todd, which I can only remember Sweeney Todd being advertised as a Tim Burton of Tim Burton movies. You know, it's like, it's a film set in Victorian London, which obviously is going to be gothic and weird and dark and foggy and... Who else better to write that than the guy who does gothic, foggy, and you know, black yeah. than anyone else? And it didn't feel like a mar- it felt like a marriage that was correct, but felt arranged in many ways. Yeah. Um, and what, again, and, and, and what about the outcome? What did you make of it ultimately? I, I actually really like Sasha Baron Cohen in it. Yeah, he's good at it, isn't he? Yeah, he is good at it. I genuinely enjoyed him because he's playing a role. He's not just playing the. He's not doing something of himself. He's actually. In some way, yeah. taking direction. I think maybe the weird thing to say. He's not. It's not not all coming from him. Um, again, the, the Depp role. I just it, it was trying to survive too much on people like Johnny Depp at this point in time. So just come see Johnny Depp and enjoy him. But just now, nah, again, just what you said. It's just if Charlie Fox was the beginning of the end or beginning of a decline for him. This just steepened that decline for me. Just it's a very two star movie. Yeah, that's. And I know it's based on something we already know the story of Sweeney Todd, but there was nothing surprising in it whatsoever. No. Um, and just, and I feel like I know I've just complained about the fact that Charlie Todd Factory had too much of other stuff in it, but with Sweeney Todd, it, it, it just, it did, I don't feel like it needed to be told, and it just, I, I, again, I lost real interest while watching it. In fact, I think yeah. the same year or maybe the year after Jersey Girl was out and they had a Sweeney Todd scene in Jersey Girl and I actually enjoyed that Jersey Girl scene more than enjoyed the Sweeney Todd in this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I had Affleck singing and I'm okay with Affleck and George Carlin singing. Yeah, yeah. that's totally great. Yeah. Um, after that, I think another one I think we can probably agree is a bit of a, a misstep is Alice in Wonderland. Ugh, man. It's just... It should be great. Yeah. It seems like a perfect marriage, you know, because Lewis Carroll stuff is weird, it's strange, it's kind of perverted in some ways, but this, again, the fact that the, the, this film got advertised based on the fact that the the Mad Hatter was in it, and I'm thinking, the Mad Hatter's not the main point of, the, of Alice in Wonderland, the main point of Alice in no. Wonderland is Alice. You know, you, yeah. you can't build a film around the, the Mad Hatter, and I think even and I think the whole film became a point about trying to save the Mad Hatter, if I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's not. It's not good. It's just not good at all. Yeah. And again, it just felt really bloated. But I yeah. don't think it was that long. But it just felt really fucking long. Yeah. Um. I said, but we're going to use quite briefly because I don't look at much. It's just it's kind of. I think we can tell quite let down by them. Um. Twenty twelve done two films again. First one was the animation Frankenweenie, which is instantly yeah. that's a film. That's a film we get sacked from Disney for doing the short for. 
Yeah, it, it feels like a short. Yeah. You know, they all, those, the animated forays that he takes feel like, if I saw little cool short films of that nature, I think, oh, that's really, that's really interesting. And that, that's some, that's some great animation and some crazy little ideas, but there's not enough behind them. Yeah. There's no depth or there's no characterization. You know, quite often the, the characters are, are bereft of real emotion. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's not going to pull you in or have the same, the same ability to transport something childlike and whimsical into something um, universal in the same way Pixar do. It's just yeah. very, I can't watch an hour and 40 minutes of it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's too repetitive and we're not giving me enough back. Yeah. So it's just meh, meh. Frank and me... I'll, I'll give it some credit. I actually quite enjoyed Frankie Mooney for what it was. Um, I actually thought it was better than Hawks Pride. Um, and what I will give it a little bit of credit for, which maybe it's more credit than it actually deserves, is because of this film coming out and actually doing, I think, not too bad at the box office, it paved the way for things like Coraline, and, um, which I think is a great movie, uh, and also Kubo and the Two Strings, which I think is a phenomenal film. Um, and yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, so about, uh, yeah, so if if this film is sort of like the penance to some degree in order to get to Kubo and the two strings, I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, and if it allows studios as well to take a punt on things like Wallace and Gromit and the Weir Rabbit, which again I think was fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's not too bad. Um, but I think it's, it's a better film than people give it credit for. It's certainly not a great film, but it's definitely, I would say, better than Corpse Bride. I'm not all the way through it. I shall revisit. Yeah. Um, 2012, Dark Shadows, is Dark Shadows as well. Have you seen this one? Sadly, I have. And I think it's probably his worst film, I think. Yeah. It's based on a TV show that I think only he remembers. I, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I think right. it, was almost, it was almost like sort of, it was set up as, they had the Munsters, the Adams Family, and you had Dark Shadows. It was sort of, it was sort of the, the, the three shows that were on TV, I think the 50s and 60s, maybe even 40s and 50s. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, it's fucking atrocious. It's a film that's tonally all over the place. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. It, like, Depp's supposed to be the hero of this film, but yet he's killing people left, right, and centre, so you, you don't know how to feel about him. Yeah. Um, the only thing I liked about this film, and he, uh, gladly he's brought a, he's brought it back in the other films, is I really like Eva Green. Like, yeah. I think she's got yeah. proper movie star sort of like. Gravitas, the way she holds herself on camera, the look she's got, she feels like that sort of classic, you know, thirties, forties movie star. So I'm really, I like her. Oh, yeah, she, yeah, she's definitely got the the femme fatale about her. Yeah, she, she she really had the the big role Sin City she was in. Sin City, um, it was she in Three Hundred Rise of the Empire or something? She was in the Three Hundred one. She's yeah, never. She seems. She's almost never quite worked out. No, she seemed. She ain't. Was she in one of the Bonds? Was she in Quantum of Solace, one of the Bond movies? Casino Royale, maybe. Maybe one of yeah. two of them, yeah. Um, one of them, yeah. But I'm she's never. Sure. She's never really broken out. She's almost fallen into that Mila Jovovich role right now of sort of. One of those kind of almost turning up in like sort of B movies and um, like directed DVD things just to make the bills pay. But you know she's yeah. better than what she is, you know. <laughs> Um, but how much we say? I thought Dark Shadows was a really poorly done film, and I just think it's a film that tonally had no sense of what it was throughout the whole film. No. Um, and because of that, you struggle to know what you're supposed to care about for most of the film. Exactly. Do you remember the trailer? The trailer it kind of sold it as a as a, a as a romp, it was like a, yeah. a straight up comedy. And then the film, you're like, 
I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh or feel that this is there's a sense of tension or horror tension or yeah. it, it didn't. It's, a, it's going through the motions completely as a film. Like yeah. It's even on the set. Yeah, I mean, that, it that's... Like it felt more like an, a director trying to do Tim Burton, but the, unfortunately the director who was trying to do Tim Burton was Tim Burton. Yeah. Um, it, I think it was kind of pictured somebody as like a, a new Adams family at one point. You know, yeah. But just, again, never really got the comedy of that, and um, and that's where it really struggled. Like I said, it's just totally all over the place. Um, after that, took another two year break. He came out with Big Eyes. Yeah. Um, this is what I'm talking. I think this is where he's trying to capture the big fish. He is, and it, it's nowhere near that. No, it's not bad. It's much better than he's done in a, a wee while. I think it's probably the best film he's done since um, Big Fish. To be fair, I, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't mind Big Eyes. Yeah. I Big Eyes was. <laughs> It was certainly not a, a classic or a perfect film. Um, I, I'm, I'm a, such a big Amy Adams fan that I'll I'll, I'll watch anything she's in. Yeah. Um, Christoph Waltz as well. Waltz at that point where he's just a complete caricature of himself, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Um, it. It was it was quite sweet, and uh, I hate the word. Yeah. He is very temperamental, but kooky. You know, it yeah. is quite kooky. So, um, it felt to, it felt to me more like in the realm of Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, for what it is, it's, Beetlejuice is not entirely all gothic. It is just sort of oddbally. Yes. And this felt that line. It felt it, it wasn't going for the gothiciness and the darkness. It was just going for kind of like just a bit left of centre, a little bit just off kilter. You know. Yeah. You know, just some, something you you find weird. You know, and and that I think is where his his real true sort of talent lies, and finding that just that. Slight oddness, and too often yeah. he seems to go way too far to the, to one direction, and, and and go way too odd and strange, and just goes like really gothicy for no reason. If he just keeps that, yeah. just keep it grounded in reality. Because Big Fish, for example, is grounded in reality. It, it, it's it's a it feels real with this sort of fantasy element to it. This is Big Fish has got that kind of same little feel to it as well. I feel, and it, obviously, like you said, it's not anywhere near as good as Big Fish, but. By channeling that, it has something there that you feel is, is more watchable than other stuff. But if he, if he stuck to, as you say, like some kind of, he seems to thrive in a, a kind of doing indie indie style coming of age films through a kind of a, a prism of weirdness. Yeah. So when, when he does that, he really does shine. Yeah. And I think he gets come bogged down, almost obsessive with the Johnny Depp thing, and I think that's kind of hamstrung both their careers. Yeah. Basically. Thankfully, he seems to have ditched Johnny Depp because Johnny Depp is now toxic for the box office, but um, yeah. which is good. Um, after 2014, he did a film in 2016 called Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I have not seen this film, so you have to... Um, I have uh, seen I it. I remember seeing the trailer. I have seen it. Have you not? Eva, oh, no, I have, I did, no, I have seen it. Eva Green's in it. She's, she plays the main role. And okay. I genuinely really enjoyed it. It's... Kind okay. of like it's kind of like an X Men, but for like almost circus, like sort of like circus children essentially who get powers. There is it has got the, it has got the same problems as Dark Shadows. It's totally a little bit all over the place at times. It's got the same right. problems as Charlie Chocolate Factory and Alice in Wonderland. It's held together by Eva Green, who I think is fantastic in it, and she really has this. She's in jo- She has a great smile and wink towards the camera in the same way that Emma Thompson does with Nanny McPhee. You know, okay. she's, 
yeah. she's absolutely aware of what she is doing and she knows what she's playing and she knows the world she's in and she feels that she embodies this character really well and she, I think if you, I think if they decide to do another 15 Miss Peregrine <laughs> films she would happily play this role for the next 30 years of her life she seems to really she seems to have got something from that role um, cool. it falls apart in the final act a little bit the final act might also be set at Blackpool, which, if you know myself, I'm not a huge fan of the place of Blackpool, which obviously put me <laughs> off it a little bit. Um, so that is maybe another downside of it. But as a film, you know what? See, as a Sunday box, like um, is it a bank holiday watch, you know, or, or something yeah. like that, or even a Christmas movie, watching over Christmas time at that kind of time of year, absolutely fine. That's encouraging because I had written it off. Yeah. To be honest. So that, yeah. that, that's encouraging. And I would say that's my young niece who at the time when it came out was probably about eight or nine, I think. No, but ten, ten, yeah. eleven. So it obviously, it obviously had its audience there. You know, it, it was maybe not made for Tim Burton fans, if you know what I mean. It's made for a different audience. Um, and after that, final film, 2019, we discussed it on the pod a couple of weeks ago, was Dumbo. And I had my issues with Dumbo. Yeah, I haven't seen Dumbo yet. I heard your thoughts on the pod. Um... I wasn't enamoured. I, I, I'm a bit... You'd think that Burton would have some kind of... Obviously, he's, he must be locked down to some contract with Disney, but you, you'd think he'd have some awareness that... No, I think this was... This was that, Dumbo's, actually first, Dumbo's actually first film back with Disney since um, he got sacked. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. I think everything, everything yeah. else he does is Warner Bros., yeah, I believe. Course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's my bad. But the, the, um, the idea of Dumbo makes sense for Burton to direct it, really. Yep. You know, in lots of ways, that kind of outcast and something else. So it's a bit of a shame that they, they didn't quite, it didn't quite work. Lacked heart. And, and the heart it tried to... It, was, it, was, it didn't earn what it wanted. And if you don't earn it, then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be... I'm not going to embrace it. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got to yeah. make me care. Make me... You know what I mean? Other than the fact that the, that the elephant looks really cute, which it does... I need more than that, you know. I need to understand it more, um, and, and need to. Motivation for characters wasn't really there for a lot of the film, and again, motivation has to be there for to to, to push the story forward and make you actually care about what the characters are doing, and that that was never there. So I I, I found it bloated as fuck. It's like it's well over two hours long. It's a struggle to get through, um, and also yeah. there was no racist buds. And I feel like if you want to make Dumbo, put some fucking racist buds in it. That's that's what people watch Dumbo for. Yeah. We all want to see Dumbo. Yeah. The racist person, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Make them Trump fans, whatever. Yeah. That's. Yeah, it it could play an important role in the film, actually. You know, it could show, you know, kids this sort of intolerance and why you shouldn't support, you know, it could could be used properly. But. Ian was basically Trump, wasn't he? Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. So, why not? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And stop playing for the middle. It was definitely swinging for the middle. It wasn't swinging for anything yeah. on that. Um, but yeah, so that's his career. It, like, I think we've been very negative on his career, unfortunately. I think from about, when you say 99 onwards, apart from 2003's Big Fish, we were, were kind of, yeah. we've lost interest in Tim Burton, I think the both of us would agree with that, yeah? Yeah, we, I think we're, we're both on the same page there. And I think what disappoints most is because out of everyone we've talked about so far, stylistically, he is the most visionary. Like, yep. There aren't many. A Tim Burton film is a Tim Burton film. Yep. You know, it's he is um, an absolute iconoclast. 
he, he is genuinely a unique and singular uh, voice of cinema, but he just hasn't he hasn't really fulfilled his, his early promise. No. It being really brutal. Yeah, I mean, you're talking now a good 20 years of average to sub-average films. Apart from, I said, apart from 2003's yeah. Big Fish, it's been a very sort of blah cinematic yeah. release. I mean, it might have done well, but Box obviously some of them might have done better than others, and maybe that's why that also keeps them going. But yeah, I just, I've, I've felt like it's ever since, you know, First seven or eight films, absolutely would watch them again and again. But after that, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying into them that much. Um, no. uh, and there's a there's a cultdom of him as well, which yeah. makes me resent him. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a blind adoration to yeah. his filmmaking from it from the converts, which yeah. frustrates me. I listen to interviews with Tim Burton. He does seem like a really cool guy. Yeah. But unfortunately, his fan base. Uh, it, do, it does, and this is my own pettiness, I suppose, but his fan base is so blindly devoted to everything he does and it becomes a kind of cult within itself that I I, I probably push back and probably critique a bit harder than I would with other filmmakers. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm much the same with like uh, with Nolan. Um, I feel Nolan fans... Yeah, are, Nolan's, uh, Nolan's the same, yeah. yeah. You know, people yeah. will not... people Nolan, who are, who are diehard Nolan fans, will hear not a bad one against them, you know, and it's... And I get that, I, I'll, I'll defend guys like Smith and Tarantino and... Spielberg and the yeah. Coen Brothers, I'll defend them to the absolute hilt as well. So again, if, if you love something that, and it touches you in that way, then you will defend it to the very end. Um, but I, 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 I would struggle to defend a lot of Tim Burton's movies. I can say if you, like, if you like it, you like it, but I don't buy into a lot of them, to be honest. No, no, I think I think we can agree that ultimately he's unfulfilled talent, but we live in hope that he's, he's still young enough that he can maybe recapture some of his early magic. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's, that's the thing. A Tim Burton film will still sell me a ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still he still provides <sighs> intrigue and hope and, yeah. and, and sees the world in a, in a really unique way, which, yeah. is, which is definitely to be celebrated. I definitely go in with less and less enthusiasm every time. You know, I go in with... I don't, like, you know, don't pencil it in my diary, but, no, Tim Burton will still make me sit up and pay attention. And maybe that's all we can hope for at this stage now. Yeah, totally. Um, if you were to pick a top three, what would you go for? Ooh, um, I would go... I would go... Batman, Big Fish, and Edward. Nice. Um, I'm going Batman Returns, because I think it, it's, cool. it's my favourite. Um, Mars Attacks, second. And Big nice. Fish, and Big Fish third. But I, I would say Big Fish and Mars Attacks could be swapped around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my, if I did five, your two would be in there. Yeah, so, yeah I'd I probably, and I'd yeah. probably, your Batman would probably be number four, and Edward number five. I think those are by far his best movies. Beetlejuice is knocking at the door as well. Um, but I yeah. think, I think those are the because I think they're all uniquely quite different from each other. You know, Batman Returns or Batman. Two of them are very similar. Uh, Mars Attacks and Big Fish. They, they show three different sides. They're, they're not. They're not all the same film. You know, they're all. They, they all. Yeah. They're all different. That, that's that's the thing about them, isn't it? And then he's made about nine versions of the same mediocre film. Yeah. <laughs> Elsewhere. Yeah. Exactly, man. Um, so yeah, so do that as us. We have done Tim Burton now. We will have to do this again. Pick an all random filmmaker. Um, yeah. I, I want to thank you for joining us for doing these last three, which people will be listening to hopefully. Um, to help me out when I'm when I'm away on different continents to, to fill some time. Um, Indeed, always a pleasure. We will be back with episode ninety nine where we will be living in a post end game world, which is 
<laughs> a both exciting and terrifying thought at the same time because I'm really worried. That it, like I don't think it will be. But what if it's bad? I, I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think. You know, it's. It's the impossible level of expectation married to a realization of an utter come down when it's over. Yeah. So even if it is, yeah. the, even if it is the greatest film of all time, it's still then done. I'm like, what the fuck did I do now? Yeah. You know, it's like, exactly. We're what? not going to know what to do with ourselves. Yeah. Post Endgame world. Yeah. Let's just enjoy this last 24 hours. Yeah, literally. Tw- as as this was recording, about 24 hours away from from um, Endgame, and we're very excited for it. Um, but that's for us for this week. That's us for this week. Ivan Richard, you've been. And you've been listening to Boom.